Hey, Covenant Eyes, we're back here with the Covenant Eyes podcast for a great episode that we recorded with Pastor Alan Parr. He's become a very good friend of Covenant Eyes, and he has a new book out in this episode. That's exactly what we talked about, Karen. Yeah, it's a fantastic book, and we're going to dive into it. You're going to learn what's in the book and how it can help you in your spiritual walk. So stay tuned and check out this episode. Hey everybody, welcome to the Covenant Eyes podcast. We're so glad to have you joining us live in our studio in Owasso, Michigan. It's been a while since we've been in studio, Brandon. <laughs> yeah, it sure has. <laughs> a little bit of a different setup this yes. time around. It's just a great opportunity to be able to come together and, and have a, a couple of conversations with our good friend, Pastor Alan Parr. Absolutely. Well, hello, Pastor Alan Parr. <laughs> welcome to Owasso, Michigan. <laughs> oh, well, it's been great. Thank you for having me. Uh, the weather is really nice. I'm um, escaping the 100, 100 degree weather in Dallas so uh, excited to talk with you guys today love love covenant eyes and love supporting what you all are doing you're, you're a Michigan boy though right you spent some time in, in Michigan <laughs> I have yeah after uh, graduating from college I worked in uh, Detroit Michigan for a couple of years at Ford Motor Company before I okay. left there to go to seminary Awesome. Nice. What'd you do at Ford? What were you I doing? I was an engineer oh my yeah. gosh that's yeah. great a couple of years and then God called me into the ministry and Shut the door on an engineering career pretty quickly. Okay, after that. we're glad he did because you're yeah. doing some great, amazing yeah. work. Yeah. So, so am I. trust me. <laughs> awesome. Well, we're here today to talk a little bit about your new book that's out. And for our listeners, can you give them a little bit of a history on what led you to write this book? Yeah, yeah. So the name of the book is Misled: mm -hmm. Seven Lies That Distort the Gospel and How You Can Discern the Truth. And uh, really, the motivation for why I wanted to write this book is really kind of threefold. First and foremost, um, looking at my own life, uh, there were some lies or false teachings that I was exposed to in college that really sent me down a path theologically and practically that um, I would hope to spare many people who may not know uh, that they're being misled because right. as the old saying goes the worst thing about being deceived is that you don't know you're being deceived sure. right and so I there's a lot of people that I know that if this happened to me in college where I was in a church that was really high energy and uh, you know really exciting but you know the teaching and the practices of that church were not biblical I know there's a lot of people stuck in that mm -hmm. also um, just over the years I've had a lot of friends who just having conversations with them, it's clear that they're subscribed to some theology that's just not right. And I saw their lives going in different directions that really um, could have been, they could have been saved from those things had they not been misled by false teaching. But then also on my YouTube channel, I mean, the Instagram messages, the emails, the mm -hmm. comments on the YouTube channel. And when I'm reading all these things, it's so clear that there's a generation of people out there that are just really confused about how to discern truth from error. So I wanted to write a book to help clear that up. That's awesome. Yeah, what I really appreciate about the book is that you actually lead with vulnerability. So when the book is beginning, you're talking about your own experiences. Talk about how that really helps set the stage for not necessarily being like a preaching at you sort of book, but more I'm with you, I've experienced it, and, and this is what I want to present as you go along the book. Yeah, well, it just shows that um, we're all susceptible to it. Um, you know, it, it can happen to any of us because false teachings, most of them are not straight heresy where the person up there is saying Jesus didn't rise from the dead. I mean, most Christians can discern, oh, I better not go back to that church, right? Because that, that's... That at least I don't know a lot about the Bible, but I know that's wrong, right? <laughs> right. But it, right. it's like they're they're hidden because 
uh, they're using scripture and uh, they're very persuasive in their tone and in their delivery. And if you're not really discerning and you're not really up on hermeneutics, which is fancy word for how to interpret the Bible correctly, mm-hmm. um, it's easy to be led astray. And that was me. That was me in college. I didn't have a firm grasp on how to study the Bible. And they were using scripture, taking it out of context most of the time. And as a result, I you know, spent like four years in a church that was not healthy. And so I think if it could happen to me, it could happen to, to anyone. So true. Yeah. Well, give us a couple of uh, couple of the ways that people are misled, you know, from your book. What are a couple of those really top ways? Yeah, so uh, chapter one, I jump right on into speaking in tongues. Oh, yes. <laughs> and, you know, uh, my position in the book is not necessarily to try to make an argument that this gift is ceased or anything like that. Kind of stay away from that. Yeah. But I do talk about how it's being misused in the church and uh, things like uh, people telling other people that if you don't speak in tongues, you're not a Christian. Mm. Or if you don't speak in tongues, you don't have the Holy Spirit. So maybe you're Christian, you don't have the Holy Spirit, which makes no sense. How can Mm. you be Christian and not have the Holy Spirit? Or if you don't speak in tongues, you don't have the power that God really... Uh, wants you to have mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. we are the varsity Christians and you're the JV Christian if yes. you don't speak in tongues and uh, it just creates this divisive type of thing this division yeah. uh, and it makes people covet a gift that um, maybe God hasn't given them and so mm-hmm. I talk a little bit about that um, another one that's probably really really applicable for today is progressive Christianity mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, and I spoke yeah. about that yes. a little bit yesterday yes. and uh, you know I don't know how much we want to get into that now but that's just um, you know there's so many Christians who want to have their cake and eat it too they want to have um, a life where they're free to be their own God and they want God to co-sign it mm-hmm. and yeah. there's a movement of people who are claiming to be Christians that are saying that the culture has progressed on these things, mm-hmm. things that used to be considered taboo or no longer taboo in the culture. And so because that is the case, God has progressed in how he feels about these things. And we Stone Age Christians need to get on with the program and progress <laughs> as well. We have progressed and you need to too. And yeah. it's just a very dangerous teaching. It is. You have a quote in your book. Actually, I'm going to read it because I want to make sure I get it right. Progressive Christianity allows the culture rather than the Bible to dictate what is moral and immoral. I mean, that sums it up right there. I think yeah. we've really all seen that play out in many different ways across culture. I think we see that even with our work with pornography um, because, you know, culture has made it okay. And even Christians in the church now kind of are not able to discern that pornography is, you know, destroying their lives mm-hmm. and the blast radius is getting larger and larger. So mm-hmm. very interesting. Yeah. I want to dive deeper into the, the progressive Christianity, but I'm curious about the title. Was there a concern or a nervousness in naming the book misled and using words like lies and truth? Like, how did the discernment process go there? And and when you when the book finally you know hit the market because it is out and available, which we'll talk about, uh, how has it been received? Yeah, well, you know, it's it's interesting. Um, I thank God for uh, our editor because <laughs> my first pass at it was probably. Um, very dogmatic in a lot of these issues, which I think there's at times and places where you need to be. Uh, but what I, what we really tried to do is be very gracious about the different viewpoints to make sure that even if somebody was um, uh, tuning or they're, they're reading this book and maybe they 
didn't agree with it. At least they felt like I represented their position well and I was kind and tactful in terms of, but firm, right? Uh, and so it's been received really well. Uh, and the title of the book, we feel like it really represents well uh, the, the content of the book. Um, and I do personally believe that the seven things I discuss in the book are lies that I think the enemy is using to lead more people astray. And um, one of the things I love about the book is, um, you know, we introduce that fictional character whose name is Jaron. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, if you read the book, it's just a, it just makes the book easy to read because uh, each chapter starts with a story from a fictional character whose name is Jaron. Some of those stories are kind of personal for me. Others are just um, ones that I've made up or friends that I've known. Yeah. And he's on a quest to find a Bible-based church. And he keeps running up against um, churches that are leading him astray. Absolutely. The other thing that your book really does a good job of um, talking about and exposing is the prosperity gospel, yeah. which I think is oh. it's dangerous and it's hurtful. Would you dive a little bit into that topic and talk to us a little bit about how dangerous that is? Yeah. Well, you know, that is very, very dangerous because at the heart of it, it really preys upon most, I would probably say all humans, greatest desire is that desires is that they want to be healthy and they want to be wealthy. I don't know any person who, if you said, Hey, do you want to have wealth and you want to be healthy? No, I'll take one of the two. Like we all want that. Right. I mean, that, so it promises that, um, embedded in the finished work of Jesus Christ is that we are promised to have, uh, uh health, and wealth and it's very dangerous because when people aren't experiencing this they are made to feel like it's their fault right mm -hmm. hey you didn't have enough faith to trust god for your healing so it's never god's fault because mm -hmm. these blessings of health and wealth are always available to you it's like a mm -hmm. gold mine that's under your ground that's like 100 feet under your ground and it's in your backyard mm -hmm. and it's there for you but you may not know that it's there for you could be living in that house for you know 10 15 years but never dig and find it but it's there right mm. and that's the way these blessings are they're there they're available for every christian but you have to dig with your faith in order to dig deep enough to access it and it can create a lot of pain because not only is somebody maybe not healed or their loved one mm -hmm. wasn't healed but now they're made to feel like it was their fault right because they didn't have enough faith to trust god and then ultimately yeah. that can turn into anger towards god because yeah. god you promised me that this was going to be happening mm -hmm. and now it's your fault wow so yeah good. returning to the progressive christianity portion there's something that's really interesting and, and i don't want to make this about politics in any way but when we see the breakdown of the family and the marriage and we see the breakdown in the church you called a deconstruction in your book that's going to impact our communities that's going to impact how our society runs what message would you have for our listeners about reconstructing the church and making sure that we are centering ourselves on that truth which not only then builds back up the marriages and the families, but then also builds the communities around us. Yeah, well, and that's the thing is that, um, you know, when you start looking at uh, some of these moral issues that have become, uh, that at one point were taboo, right? I mean, 100 years ago, if you would say, can a man marry a man? I'd say 
99% of the culture would say no. But once again, that's the whole problem. Because the culture has progressed, now, eh, well, that used to be bad, but, you know, it's okay now. So it's really, um, it's impacting the foundation of our families. Uh, and, um, you know, at the end of the day, people want to be happy. Happiness is the new God. Mm -hmm. And anything that infringes on my happiness, I don't want to. Uh, I don't, I don't want that, right? So, and that's why progressive Christianity and movements like that are so uh, dangerous because it basically teaches people that you can be who you are. God accepts you the way you are and he wants you to stay that way. And that can really impact, um, obviously, uh, the breakdown of the family. Yeah. And you mentioned, you know, happiness, like everybody is seeking that as well. I think comfort is another thing that's holding Christians yeah. back. I think we're comfortable. We don't want to rock the boat. Why, you know, we don't, we don't want to address our sin and in our lives because we're comfortable, right? Things are good. The mortgage is paid. The car's in the driveway. So how do we overcome that and realize like the Christian walk is difficult and, you know, oftentimes we're going to have struggles and challenges. We're called to that. I mean, look what they did to Christ, right? And we are, we are following him. So yeah. how do we overcome some of those things? I mean, yeah. as a culture. Yeah. Well, I think as, as, Christians we have to and that's the that's the thing that's troubling about progressive Christianity because they're claiming to be Christians and we have to understand that part of Christianity at the heart of it is we have to lay down our mm -hmm. desires for what God would have for us and mm -hmm. you know all of us whether you're heterosexual or homosexual we all have the same like the the bar is holiness right mm -hmm. i yeah. mean at the end of the day um, if you're a married man, you know, you might see a woman that you are attracted to, right? But you don't get a free pass to mm -hmm. act on that because mm -hmm. this is who I am. This is how God has created me to be. He's created me with these natural desires to mm -hmm. want multiple women. Like we still have to submit that desire mm -hmm. under the Lordship of Christ. So if you're same-sex attracted, you mm -hmm. can't just say, oh, because this is how I am, right? We're all born in sin, right. David said. So we all have the same responsibility, which is, <clears throat> excuse me, to, to surrender our sinful nature to the will of God. Yes. And that's a, that's a challenge for all of us. And I think really it speaks to our call to pick up the cross and carry it with it. Like Jesus is very clear in the gospel about laying your down, down your desires, mm -hmm. laying yourself, setting yourself aside to be able to bear that cross. What message would you have for our listeners about embracing suffering? I, I mean, it's, it's not fun, yeah. but it really is the way to the cross and to Jesus. Yeah, well, you know, we can't expect, I mean, Jesus said the student is not greater than it's in his ma their master, right? So he said, if they persecuted me, they're going to persecute you. And that's, once again, this whole prosperity gospel thing, which promises a life of ease, a life of mm -hmm. comfort. And I, when I read the Bible, I don't see that, right? I don't yeah. see, I see Jesus being persecuted. I see Jesus not having a place to lay his head. I see Jesus suffering. I see the apostles mm -hmm. dying and being martyred, yeah. being persecuted for their faith. And then also see that they promised that this was going to be our reality. I mean, yeah. Peter said that in first Peter, uh, in Paul talked about his sufferings and his tr trials. And Jesus said, Hey, just as they persecuted me, they're going to persecute you. So yes. 
you know, we have to understand that suffering is not fun, it's not easy, it's not something that feels good, uh, but it is something that unfortunately is part of this fallen world and we're not going to be free of suffering until we meet the Lord Jesus face to face one day. Yeah, and, and Karen, I think it really speaks to, to the people we work with at Covenant Eyes that sometimes breaking free of pornography and sexual sin is a struggle. It's yeah. a journey. We're not going to get it right maybe the, the first time around. Mm -hmm. And so maybe you could speak to this a little bit too about embracing the journey, embracing the hills, the valleys, and recognizing that it goes back to what you mentioned earlier, just that striving for holiness. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, it's funny. Sometimes I think we have this false idea of deliverance right and i'll be careful when i talk about this because you know i have some friends on youtube and you know they'll promise that you know people can be completely delivered from every you know, and it's like well what does that look like you know mm -hmm. for instance when you have someone who's struggling with pornography i think we want a quick fix we're living in a world where we want someone we want to go to a service and we want them to lay their hands on us and then we are I am now officially delivered from yes. my pornography <laughs> habit that which means great. I'll yeah, I, mean, yes. I mean come on like yeah so I'll never ever be tempted ever again because now I'm delivered right, right. and um, first of all I always tell people that you know watching pornography it's not it's not a spirit of it's 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 your sinful nature mm -hmm. right I don't see the, I mean yes there are some there's a, there's a external pressures of the world is sexualized and things like that nature. But at the end of the day, James says what that we are we are tempted when we are led astray by our own lusts, our mm -hmm. own desires, right? And so at the end of the day, we can pray for deliverance, we can do all these things, but we have to submit our will. It's a daily decision. Yes. And um, in regards to what you're saying, I, I think that we need to strive for progress and not perfection. I think mm. that holiness is a journey. It's not a destination. We're never going to get to the place where, oh, I've arrived. Uh, <laughs> I'll even say this way. Sexual purity mm -hmm. is a journey. It's not yeah. a destination. No one's going to say, I have arrived and now I am sexually pure, right? <laughs> no, we are all on a constant journey to that. And so uh, I think if we see it that way, uh, we'll give ourselves a little grace, but we we'll also rec recognize that we need to look for progress. Absolutely. I think there's a danger too with us thinking that, you know, we're beyond our sin, right? Because yes. that is when Satan will certainly tempt us and we can fall, you know, prey to those sins that we've had in the past. So yeah, I think it's a good word of caution. I think a lot of times it, it, the people that we work with here at Covenant Eyes, a lot of them understand that the journey is long and it's hard to overcome sexual sin. However, from time to time when we're at conferences or different places talking to people, we do see people that believe like, well, what are what are the three steps, you know, to find freedom or what is the quick fix? And I think we really as a culture need to get past this this idea that everything can be done quickly Instant or in three yeah, yeah, three yeah. steps to freedom like it's sanctification is a lifelong process and we have to be we i mean perseverance is something that 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 we must have for this journey is that correct absolutely absolutely you know and and i understand where people are coming from they want some practical tips on how to do this how to do that which you know we can give those all day and i'm sure you all have them yes. on your website i've got videos but i always tell people um the best tip i can give people to overcome any sin is fearing god mm. fearing mm. god because at the end of the day, when you fear God, like 
God, how are you going to discipline me if I don't get this habit under control? How is this going to impact my marriage? How is this going to impact my ability to be a good father or a good mother? Mm -hmm. um, you know, when you start to fear, okay, God, how are you going to choose to, um, like I said, uh, discipline or punish me, not only punish me, but how are you going to discipline me if I continue to go on this journey? For me, that's what allowed me to really experience freedom in my life and in different areas uh, in my life, because I got to the point where I said, you know what, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to give God any reason to take this away from me or uh, to diminish my ministry um, uh, reputation or my reach. I want to, I want to have a good conscience before God. I want to be able to be uh, a servant of God that that has a clear mind, a clear conscience. And, uh, and so really fearing God is yeah. a key to overcoming any sin. Absolutely. That's really important. One of the things that I've often pondered and prayed about is just the finality of death, right? So mm -hmm. even going back to your book, you know, in, in exposing the lies and, and sharing the truth, there's going to be people out there that just say, nah, Pastor Allen, you're wrong, <laughs> you know? And they're going to experience what truth is when they get to heaven's gates, right? The, the, the finality of death. And I think it, we so often get caught up in, and not that it's not a beautiful thing to live life and, and enjoy the things we've been given, marriages and families and, and good jobs and stuff like that. But it's so easy to forget about, I could die tomorrow or I could die in the next hour. Mm -hmm. And then we're going to wake up <laughs> literally mm -hmm. and and see what really is yeah yeah absolutely yeah exactly and that's and that's the thing is that we want to make sure that we are maximizing the time that we have because we don't know how long we're gonna to be here uh, and so we want to make sure that we're not um, being bogged down with sin and and addictions and different things like that and I know that's what you all are you know really helping trying to help people get free from that because you know it can really erode you from your life your family your career your ministry your ability to reach non-believers and most importantly relationship with god mm -hmm. um just feeling guilty and bogged down and ashamed all the time and not being able to connect with god the way uh, god intends yeah that's awesome well for our listeners as we bring this interview to a close what are what are your hopes and wishes for people that read this book what is it that you're hoping that they accomplish by reading this book and what will happen yeah so i'm really hoping that um, they will read it with an open mind uh, and i hope that they really really allow themselves to open this book and say you know what even though maybe i've been taught these things in the past i'm going to read this book with an open mind and look at the scriptures and how it's been presented uh, and possibly reevaluate their beliefs on these things and if they are currently attending a church that is teaching one of these false doctrines that they would hopefully strongly consider looking for another church and then finally i pray that it um, opens the idea uh, excuse me opens the opportunity for conversations mm -hmm. i hope that people read this book and maybe they don't agree with something and they screenshot a page of it and say hey what do you think about this? Sending it to a friend, you know, let's have a conversation about this because I really hope that it'll spark conversations because I believe that that's what will help people really get to the truth of what God says about um, these types of things. 
Right. We really need more of that. Just being able to, even if you disagree with each other, being able to sit down at a table and yes. and have a conversation. Uh, misledbook.com is the website as well where people can go and check that out. That's correct. And for those who go there, we're actually giving away a free biblical literacy course. Oh, awesome. Uh, so if they put proof of purchase into uh, a form that's on that page, uh, we'll send them a link to where they can log into a free course that will help them discern and learn how to study the Word of God. That's awesome. So you're going to learn about some of the things maybe you're being misled on, and then you can in turn get better at it by taking the course and learn how to actually interpret. He's a pretty Bible. smart guy. I love there. it. You're right. You, you are not free leaving course. anyone hanging on this one. That's great. Right. Well, it. I would encourage all of our listeners to get your copy of this book today. It is fantastic. Yeah. I know for me personally, as I was reading it, I so much of it either applied to my life in the past as a Christian, as an early Christian, or even some things that reminded me to, to kind of check where I am right now and, and make sure that I'm you know listening and following biblical teachers that are actually using scripture the way that, that we should be using it, um, which yeah. is just as it's written. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. it was a great book. Thank you, Pastor Ellen. Thank you, I appreciate yeah. it. And it really goes back to Furthering the kingdom, right? Mm. So, I, I mean, at the, at the end, like, it's all about the kingdom of God and, and making sure that we are well prepared for, for meeting Jesus, right? Because yeah. um, as I mentioned, it, it may come sooner rather than later. But what I love about it, Karen, is that it really just gets to the heart of these are, these are our core beliefs. Mm-hmm. And there is really only one way, right? Jesus is the way, the yes. truth, and the life. So, Pastor Allen, thanks so much for writing the book. Thanks for being on with us today on the Covenant Eyes podcast to talk about it. And uh, Karen, really can't encourage enough for our listeners to get out and check out yes. the book. Absolutely. Well, thank you, Covenant Eyes family, for joining us for this episode of the Covenant Eyes podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast, leave us reviews, and then don't forget to share it with all your friends and family. Until next time, God bless. Take care.